Osiris. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year, and to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Welcome back to We Move Through Stormy Weather, a fish podcast by Storm Sound and Osiris Media. My name is Ryan Storm, and today I'm joined by Jake Blakesburg. Jay Blakesburg is a San Francisco-based photographer, filmmaker, and public speaker. He is best known for his music photography, which he began in 1978, and he has since worked with many legendary artists, including The Grateful Dead, Neil Young, Carlos Santana, Tom Waits, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Flaming Lips, and Fish. His work has been published in thousands of magazines worldwide, in books, and many documentary films. He has published 16 coffee table books of his work, 14 of them under his self-publishing label. Jay's Second Solos Museum exhibit, Retro Blakesburg, The Music Never Stopped, is open on August 31st, 2023 at the Contemporary Jewish Museum in San Francisco. In 2020, he and his daughter, Ricky, launched Retro Photo Archive, which includes the work of almost a dozen photographers, which they represent for licensing across all platforms, exhibitions, and fine art print sales. Hi, Jay. How are you? I'm good. How are you? What's going on? Fantastic. Really, really excited to have you on the podcast today. I've been looking forward to this episode uh, since we met at summer camp uh, right at the beginning of the summer, uh, and I'm really, really excited to chat some fish with you and various other topics. Sure. Let's do it. Awesome. So start off, uh, you know, we all know the, uh, the story about, you know, you getting into the dead uh, in 1978, but I don't think it's been talked about as much how you got into fish. Uh, so tell me about, you know, when you first heard of fish, how you discovered them and how you came to shoot them for the first time. Early 90s, probably I'm going to say 92 or three. I had an assistant that worked for me, a guy named Matt Hartenstein. Uh, Matt's got to be 10 years younger than me. And like, I grew up with the Grateful Dead. He grew up with fish Mm -hmm. and he kept telling me about this band fish that I had to check out this incredible band, all his friends from college, all his people, they were all fish people. And, um, 
I just kept saying, you know, I'm already a member of one cult. I can't join another. I don't have time. Famous you know, so last remember words. that, you know, the Grateful Dead were still playing shows, right? Yeah. And you know, I still was shooting the Grateful Dead. And uh, and um, the the so Fish uh, played this little festival that Bill Graham presents created uh, down in Monterey called Laguna Seca Days, also known as LSD. Ooh. Ooh. Laguna Seca is <laughs> a big raceway in Monterey. Um, I don't know, IndyCar. I'm not really sure what kind of cars race at Laguna Seca. Indy, Indy 500, Formula One. I don't really know. Um, but anyway, so, uh, and the Grateful Dead played at Laguna Seca in 87 and 88, maybe 89 also, but I know 87, 88 for sure. Um, and so they did this thing called LSD Laguna Seca days and, and fish was, uh, they didn't headline in 92. They were, uh, rather 93. Um, they were, I feel like the Allman brothers and Bob Dylan maybe headlined that year. Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, I shot a handful of photos. It was all backlit in the middle of the day and it was hard to shoot. And I think I have like two or three photos from that show scanned, uh, just of Trey up on stage. And then um, a year later, in May of 94, I got an assignment from Keyboard Magazine. Uh, there was a family of, of magazines. It was guitar player, bass player, Keyboard Magazine were all owned by the same company. And I shot for all three of those magazines. And Keyboard Magazine was doing a story on a guy named Paige McConnell. Right. And so uh, they wanted me to do a portrait of Paige. And they also wanted a portrait of the whole band together. And then they wanted some live shots. Um, they were playing down at Laguna Seca a couple days later. I think there was a Warfield run in there also. For some reason, I don't know why I didn't go to the Warfield or couldn't go, but I was like, I'm going to Laguna Seca. I can shoot them down there. Right. And uh, so everybody showed up for the photo shoot except for Fishman. He was tardy and never showed up. I'm not really sure why to this day. Um, we can all speculate. It could that. be it could be a similar story to uh, the the Johnny B. Fishman Jazz Ensemble in the '80s in Telluride when he took a bunch of acid and went for a hike and then missed the show. Yeah, um, it, who knows? I have no idea. Um, we may know, never Brad, know. Uh, Brad Sands, who manages currently manages Primus and a bunch of other bands, um, he was their tour manager. Brad was a big deadhead, so he knew who I was just from some of my photography, and. Uh, so um, Trey, Paige, and Mike all showed up at my studio here in San Francisco, south of Market, a few blocks away from the Warfield and Slims. And I did individual portraits of each of those guys. You know, Mike brought his bass guitar. Trey brought his, his uh, Languedoc. I think actually Mike's bass is a Languedoc also, I think, in that photo. It was at the time, yeah. Yeah, and, um, and Paige obviously didn't have an instrument with them. But I did a really beautiful portrait of Paige that just was just one of those really stunning photos that he really dug and I dug and that's how we became friends. So Paige was really kind of the first guy in the band that I became friends with mm -hmm. um, basically because he really liked that photograph. And so uh, Brad Sands said to me, Oh, I'm really sorry that um, uh, Fishman never showed up. You know, when we get down to Laguna Seca, I'll make sure you can do a quick band shot backstage. And so basically they're just like in front of some uh, like wooden lattice, you know, fencing material um, just sitting on the grass and I literally probably had two minutes with them as a whole band together. and did like a really, really quick, quick and dirty backstage, uh, color portrait of them for that story. Mm -hmm. And then I, I shot up on stage, you know, the, the Brad was, you know, that band fish has always been incredible with giving asset access to photographers, which is why 
there's such a rich photographic archive of this band mm -hmm. um, because they always um, let photographers, you know, shoot them and always hired photographers and gave them great access. I'll t I'll, when we get to Oswego in this podcast, I'll tell you a story about that. Anyway, so I got some pictures of Paige playing this grand piano and the band on stage. And, and uh, you know, I wasn't a huge Fish fan yet, but I was starting to groove into it a little bit. And uh, and um, anyway, so that article came out and everybody liked it and Paige liked the photo. And so then we became friends. And then I think it was a couple of years later before the next time I shot Fish, it was, um, I believe it was December of of 96 yeah december 2nd the day after my birthday in 96 uh my wife's family lived in um phoenix and they were doing like a thanksgiving show there and we were in phoenix for thanksgiving and i was um i was shooting for the time in a, for an online music magazine called addicted to noise addicted to noise was the very very first online music magazine i believe in the world um, and, uh, it was founded by a guy named Michael Goldberg, who was a staff writer slash editor at Rolling Stone magazine, Michael mm -hmm. the area, Michael and I did a lot of stories together for Rolling Stone starting in the early, late eighties, early nineties. Yeah. Late eighties, uh, 80, 89 even. Um, and so Michael started addicted to noise. I remember when he called me up and I was like, how do I look at this thing online? He goes, you have to download a web browser. I'm like, what's a web browser? <laughs> goes, you got to type in this thing and go to this place. You got to go to this thing called Netscape, right? Do you know what Netscape was? I don't. That's Netscape before my time. That was one of the very first web browsers in the world, really, to, view, to view the web. Um, founded, created by this young, you know, brainiac kid who, you know, went on to be a big Silicon Valley mucky muck. Um, still to this day, uh, Mark Andreessen, if I'm remembering correctly, was the guy mm -hmm. who founded um, Netscape. Anyway, so that's uh, that's how I got on the internet, and that's how I discovered it. But anyway, so Michael, I guess Fish had a new record coming out. I don't know what they put out in '96. Um, uh, that would have been Billy Breeds. Yeah, because uh, I'm 96. guessing that Electra Records flew Michael to Phoenix to do the article. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause addicted noise had no money. Right. There was just an online pub. Nobody knew what online even was at that point. Right. And, you know, and that's what record companies did back then is that they would, um, they would, uh, you know, do press junkets. They would fly journalists to see bands and interview bands because that's actually in the days where, uh, press actually mattered and helped sell records and sell concert tickets and whatnot. Right. So I was already going to be in Phoenix for Thanksgiving with my wife and her family and they were playing at whatever the arena was down there. And uh, America West Arena. That was it. Thank you. I remember I, that. I was going to say something like that. Mm -hmm. And so we met up with um, Trey at the hotel, which I want to say was maybe like a Four Seasons or something like that. And we walked um, uh, we walked across the street to a, like a really high-end shopping mall. I think what's called the Biltmore, I think. And we just sat on a little park bench outside and I did some portraits of Trey, really casual, available light, 35 millimeter, shot a couple rolls of film, color and black and white. And um, and then uh, Michael did his interview and then we walked back across. And then we actually got kicked out by security because we were can't take photos on the premises of a high-end shopping mall outside against a tile wall on a bench. <laughs> and so we, um, we, you know, so the shoot was very quickly over. We walked back across the street. The tour bus was there. 
the band was getting ready to go and jump on the bus to go to the arena to play. Mm-hmm. And I ran into Paige who was sitting there literally on the sidewalk outside the tour bus. Um, he was just literally sitting on the ground and I just took a couple, Oh, I could see in the background, look at the photo. It says the Ritz Carlton. So it wasn't the four seasons. It was the Ritz Carlton. And I literally took like three quick photos of Paige sitting on the ground, um, waiting for the rest of the band and the crew. And then that night, I went and shot the show at the American Airlines Arena. And I remember mm-hmm. Brad being very, very generous and saying to me, um, yeah, all access, do whatever you want, shoot from wherever you want to go. And, you know, and I, I just wasn't used to that kind of thing with bands. Like bands were very, very protective and overbearing. Right. And with, with the with the dead, did you did you have that kind of restriction too? No. Oh, of yeah, freedom? of course. Yeah, with the dead, it was, you know, you were allowed to bring a camera into the show whenever you wanted. Um, no questions asked. Any fan was, but no, I didn't have stage access. I didn't have, you know, I mean, there was later on in the last few years of the Grateful Dead had a little bit better access, but no, never on stage, never backstage. Got uh, it. Well, not never, but you know, it was very different. It wasn't a regular thing. No, it just was a very different thing, you know? Yeah. And so, I mean, I remember, you know, Fishman played the vacuum cleaner and I was like, what the fuck is going on here? And right. Had, had you heard about that before or was it I kind of like, a... so, no. And then, um, you know, this is when Fishman's drum kit was stage left all the way to the right house, right. You know, they were all in a line. Yeah. Um, right. And, uh, and, um, uh, you know, I just, I, I just had all access in the pit basically to shoot the whole show. They did the barbershop quartet, whatever song it was that night. I have to go look at the set list and see, because I know they've done different stuff. Um, but they're all up at the, the microphone singing that. And I've got pictures of them doing that. Sweet Adeline. What was it? Sweet Adeline. There you go. Uh, anyway, so that was really like my first real access shooting the band. Mm-hmm. So at this point, you know, I kind of, and then I ran into Paige. Um I think I actually ran into Paige even before this 12-2-96 show. Uh, no, no, no. It was the next year. Uh, the Tibet Freedom concert was a series of concerts that were in New York, San Francisco, and D.C. The first one was in San Francisco in 96. The next one was in New York in 97. And Paige was just there hanging out. And um, I saw him backstage and said hi to him and did a quick photograph of him sitting on a on a bench outside a white tent somewhere, you know, just real quick. Hey Paige, hey Jay, nice to see you. Uh, you know, I still love that photograph you did in Keyboard Magazine. Like that was, yeah. you know, that was our, that was our relationship. Um, and uh, so that was sort of how I ended up photographing fish. Um, and it wasn't until, it wasn't until Trey and Paige played with Phil. Phil in, in 99. In yeah. 99 at the Warfield that Jason Colton at fish asked me to shoot those shows. Got it. Um, Hey, can you document, you know, Trey and page, you know, the whole band was there hanging out. They were all backstage fishman mm-hmm. page. They were all, they were all there for that run. And, uh, and then I guess was a Swigo the summer of 99. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So b- and, before and, we get there, um, I want to okay. ask, you know, musically, uh, when, when did fish click for you? And what was it? Was there a specific song, a specific tape, a show you went to? Where, it was a sweet. It was a Swigo when it clicked. It was a Swigo for me. It was a Swigo. So until yeah, then, so you were still like you're still skeptical. I was, I was listening to them, and Matt in my office would play them. But I was like, yeah, this is cool. These are good jams. But I wasn't like seeking them out to go to shows. Right. Um, 
you know, Jerry died. I was still trying to figure out what my place in the script was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, really at that point, that pivotal moment when, the, when Jerry died in 95, you know, Jam Band, if, if we'll call Fish Jam Band 2.0 or Jam Band 1.0 post Jerry, yeah. I mean, they were still, yeah, you know, widespread existed and string cheese, I think, you know, they all existed at that point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Mo, I'm not sure if Mo existed. They were coming into being around that time, yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, but but Fish was, the, I mean, Fish is playing arenas at this point, right? Yeah, right. I mean, right. you know, those bands weren't playing arenas. Those bands were club and theater bands still. Right. Um, and uh, so, um, you know, it really was a Suigo. So I, I, I became friendly with a bunch of people in the Bay Area, also younger than me. There was a woman named Molly, Molly Mannon. She worked for Bill Graham Presents. Uh, big fish girl and all of her posse, all of her crew, they all went through high school and college, all listening to fish. They're all still dear friends. And uh, they were the ones that really, really got me, um, you know, like this is something to really take, t- take seriously. And uh, they mm-hmm. were all, uh, and I'm pretty sure that they were at a Swigo, but I can't remember for sure, but I just remember like it all just sort of clicking because Mm-hmm. They hired me for that, and I was everywhere on stage, backstage. And I remember when they were doing the meat stick. Um, yeah, they and, tried to get the break the world record. Yeah, and uh, and Jason Colton is like pushing me, like go out on stage, go stand right be next to the drum kit, and get a shot of you know Trey and Trey and Mike, and you know doing the doing the the choreographed dance, and you know doing the meat stick. And I'm like, what? Like go on stage, like be in next to the drum, like nowadays. Every band has that, yeah. you know, but, <clears throat> Every band has, but back then, like, and I was just like, really? He's like, yeah, go out there. You do what you need to do. Get in the, get that shot. And I was like, okay. And that just opened up a whole new world for me in terms of, um, in terms of, uh, um, you know, how bands needed to be documented and the access that a band can give you. And that's why, like I said, Fish is just such a well-documented band because they always gave access. There were always people, you know, Danny Clinch, Taylor Crothers, me, you know, in the dressing rooms, um, in the rehearsal rooms. Um, you know, I'm looking at my pictures from Oswego now and they're like rehearsing with the Del McCoury band in like a little trailer, you know? Right. And, and, uh, you know. And you like, were in there. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm in the trailer with, and like that was all like kind of new for me. Like that was not, you know, a common thing. This is a great picture that I'm looking at here is uh, there was a big giant pit of mud because um, it was like where water fountains were or water, you know, spigots and whatever. And just the water was always running. So it was all muddy. And there's a picture of a guy diving off the top of some structure that was built where this water thing is mm-hmm. literally diving into like one inch of water in the mud. I mean, if you saw this picture, like he's not just jumping and trying to land on his feet. He's like actually going to belly flop onto this. I mean, he had to have gotten hurt. <laughs> I mean, I like that. Right. It, it wasn't, it wasn't a swimming mud pit. <laughs> no, you know, and then of course, um, was it, is it tweezer where they throw all the glow sticks in the air? Right. Uh, um, that or hood. Uh, oh, hood. Yeah. Maybe it was Harry hood. Yeah, yeah. 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 You know, like here's this great long exposure and you can see all the glow sticks floating around. Um, but you know, like to me, that was all brand new. And they had a publicist there that, that worked for them. Um, uh, um, uh, what was her name? Uh, Mastrioni, something like that. Rhea Mastrioni. I can't remember. Anyway, 
Um, you know, and that was just like all brand new for me. And they didn't really want to call Oswego a festival, if I remember correctly. Right. Um, Cause they, they were, they had done, you know, the end of summer festival, the two previous years, you know, the Clifford ball and the great went, and those were in different places and they were doing big Cypress as the festival in 99. So us, yeah, Oswego was kind of weird. Oh, and yeah, they didn't, they didn't call, but it was a festival. I mean, you know, Sun Seals played, you know, he's the yeah. blue guy with one leg and, um, the slip also played at that, I believe, um, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think this is uh, like one of the only fish festivals ever that had another act or two playing. Yeah, and Del McCory, of course, and so and all, and everybody sat. You know, Sun Seal sat in with fish, or maybe Trey sat in with Sun Seals. I can't remember. And um, Del McCory, obviously, and that was the beginning of the slip. Which I don't know if you know that band. They're an incredible band, also. Yes. Um, and uh, I've actually you know, coincidentally in the last four or five days i think people have brought up the slip uh in conversation with me like a number of times which is just a funny coincidence uh, i think that um i i think that the slip if i remember correctly um were like a real fave of trey mm -hmm. um you know it was uh you know the the bar brothers right um i yeah. guess it was is it and andrew was on drums and brad's the guitar player right yeah brad, brad bar and uh, I, I remember correctly, and actually it was really interesting because right after I shot that, I remember getting a call from Guitar Player Magazine saying, have you ever shot this band called The Slip? We're looking for a photo of this guy, Brad Barr. And I'm like, <laughs> way oddly, ahead of you. <laughs> oddly enough, yeah. Like I'd never heard of them before and I thought they were great. And I, one of my pictures of Brad Barr ended up in Guitar Player Magazine from that Oswego show. Nice. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so that was... You know, but it was at, at those shows that it just clicked because I kind of just saw the full on thing. I just I had the access. I saw the joy. I mean, they were pretty peak performing in 99. Um, you know, yeah. the, the the band was on fire. The crowd was on fire. Um, you know, the just everything, the production, the the level of the production that this band did was like, you know, top, top notch. You know, it's interesting Go going back to that photo shoot that I did in my studio with Paige and Trey and Mike um, uh, in 94. I remember Trey telling me this story or this vision that he had. He goes, I have this vision of like a photographer, like being on a platform, like in a big arena that's hanging from the ceiling. Right. There was no drones or anything like that. Like exactly. A, yeah. Like a, like a platform hanging from the ceiling that's maybe yeah. 20 feet back, 20, 30 feet back from the stage and about 20 feet up. And, and you got this weird view that nobody else could ever get unless you were on a platform in an arena, you know, 30 feet yeah. back from the stage and laying down. And, and I was just like, you're insane, dude. I'm like, yeah, man, cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Like right. but the thing that's so crazy is that, you know, Trey was already thinking about like those, New Year's Eve gags where they're standing on platforms and right and in, a, in an arena like getting that. a vantage point that no one else is ever going to have. Yeah. And so it's interesting, yeah. like, you know, it took decades for me to, you know, I always remember the story because I'm like, yeah, this guy, Trey, like, man, he's like in another fucking wavelength. He's traveling on another <laughs> frequency. Like, yeah, he's saying, <laughs> he's saying, like, I think it'd be really cool for a photographer to be lying on a platform, you know, in the middle of an arena. And I'm just like, okay whatever and then they're fucking doing it 20 years later or whatever yeah. it is you know so it was pretty pretty fascinating i mean i i uh, trey is a really fascinating guy his mind is 
his mind works faster than than anybody that you'll ever be around and mm-hmm. you know he's just always creating in that mind always 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 yeah that's like the the fishman quote where he says like you know the guy shits music like that you know <laughs> well i don't know that fishman might know that i don't know that but right I but think, I'm, I'm just saying he's, I've just he's been just around Trey always and going see how his mind is always thinking about you know the next creative thing and so anyway i just thought that was an interesting yeah. um, interesting story with um you know trey telling me that you know, yeah that's really cool um and then of his. in in 99 i i assume you know back on the back on the west coast in september uh when phil and uh and bobby played with them at shoreline i think those were different years but um Correct. were you were you at those shows oh yeah, no, uh, yeah, yeah well? no, so what was that like for you coming from you know the grateful dead world and where you've been skeptical for a time and you know you were still you didn't really get fish at the Warfield shows uh, with the Phil and friends, but then, you know, seeing Phil play with them uh, at Shoreline, like what, what was that like, you know, six months later? Sure. So again, um, they actually asked me to come and uh, photograph those shows for fish. I remember, um, I remember uh, Kravitz, you know, who Jeff Kravitz is. Yes. Um, you know, Kravitz did a lot of fish photography. I remember Kravitz being backstage and, and pulling out like a, a wireless, airport modem type device because he was an early digital guy and uh, and he was like yeah man i can transmit these photos to like by email and i was looking at him like what like what are you doing like how do you do this you know and then i had all my studio lighting equipment with me because they wanted me to do a portrait um and so we set up all of the road cases that don't say fish on them we want to do like a shot like the allman brothers live at the fillmore east yeah and uh and so we had set up all this stuff and I had studio lighting and an assistant with me and I had my Hasselblad, which is, you know, a medium format, square, square format camera. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and I remember Kravitz looking at my camera and saying, what's that? I'm like, it's my Hasselblad. He's like, man, I have no idea how that thing works. So it was kind of like this two way thing where I was shooting portraits with a Hasselblad film camera that he had no idea how it worked. And he was yeah. shooting digital and like airdropping or, or, or emailing things with this like new wireless device. I'm like, what, like what? It was also, also crazy. But, um, uh, Phil came down to that show, uh, because he was also supposed to do an interview with guitar world magazine. And, um, so he was supposed to do an interview with Trey and Phil together with a guy named Alan Paul. Alan's a good friend of mine. He's, he wrote that book that just came out on the all brothers. I I know the name the brothers and sisters book. He also wrote the last Allman brothers biography and he wrote a Stevie Ray Vaughan bio a couple years ago called, excuse me, Texas flood, maybe anyway. So, um, so Alan and I had done, he was an editor at guitar world. Alan and I had done stories together. And, uh, so he was supposed to interview Trey and Phil, but one thing led to the other and there was no time, you know, yada, yada, yada. And so I did the photo shoot and you probably have seen those photos. They're like these, um, uh, there are these, you know, pictures of Trey and Phil sitting on the edge of the grass at shoreline on the curb and they're holding yes. their guitars. You know, they both have their guitars because it was for guitar world magazine. And, and, uh, um, so I did that shoot quick and then we went right over, um, uh, Trey's wearing the same shirt and did the band portraits of them sitting on all the, all the road cases. And then after we did the band photo, on the road cases, I did a photograph of the whole fish crew at the time sitting on those cases as well. Um, uh, so That's really big, cool. Yeah. Big time. And then I'm in the dressing room when uh, I'm looking at the photos here. I'm in the dressing room when Phil's rehearsing with Trey and 
Uh, actually, this is a great shot. Brad Sands, the tour manager, opens up the door, pokes his head in. He's he's scowling at everybody, saying, "Come on, you guys, you got to get on stage or something," you know. And then, of course, that's when Phil gets up on the trampoline during um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, Phil's like holding on for dear life and Trey and Mike are just laughing hysterically because Phil's, you know, those guys, you know, kind of air they get on the trampolines and they jump and spin and twirl and twist. And, and, uh, uh, you know, Phil's like barely getting six or eight or 10 inches off of the trampoline. And he, you know, those guys are playing their instruments while they're doing this whole thing. Right. Um, You know, Trey and Mike and Mm -hmm. Phil's like holding on to his base for dear life, you know, not playing at all. (laughs) Uh, yeah. But they brought out a trampoline for him. And, you know, so 99, 25. So Phil was about 60 years old. He was about my age. And um, and uh, so, yeah, so I was there for that. And then I think, wasn't it that, I think it's that same year, the night before. Yeah. The 16th is when Warren Haynes comes out and plays with Fish. Oh, yes. Right. So the 16th is, it's 9, 16, 9, 17, 99. So the night before Warren Haynes, uh, and he's good friends with Alan Paul. So anyway, so they end up doing the Guitar World magazine interview, I want to say months and months later. Um, uh, and, you know, on the phone, I don't know if they did a conference call or they interviewed them separately or what. I don't remember. I could ask Alan. But uh, um, but yeah, so Warren sits in with him the night before. I don't remember what song it was. Misty and Mountain Hop. Point, what was it? Misty Mountain Hop. Oh, okay, cool. The, the Zeppelin song? Misty Mountain Hop? Is that a Zeppelin song? Uh, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, you know, fish always good for a badass cover because they're badasses, as we know. Yes. Um, and, you. uh, you know, pictures of, of Warren in the dressing room, you know, rehearsing with everybody. Um, and then, uh, um, and then the next day we do the, the Phil and Trey shoot together, mm-hmm. you know, and that's like a five minute shoot. And then we do the full band shot. Uh, but at this point, by 99, like, you know, I'm definitely way, way more into the band and totally digging the scene and just the whole madness of everything. I mean, just these guys were just at, at, a, at an incredible peak. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and, and you know, that, that show with Phil and Warren, again, you know, Warren came out again for the Viola Lee encore. Uh, must oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, oh, the next night he came out with Phil. Yeah, so yeah, they did they did Yem, Wolfman's and Cold Rain and Snow with Phil and then, and then to close out the second set and then Warren and Phil ah, both on to, Viola Lee. I have to go back encore. and look and see. I'm sure that I have photos of them. Oh yeah, here we go. Here's a shot right here with uh, from the next night with uh Warren, Phil, Mike, Fishman and Trey. No uh no page in this one, but I'm sure there's other ones where I get a little bit wider. I was going to say, it's, it's, Here we it's, go. like a, it's hard to get both of them in uh, at that point. No, I got them all. Got them all. And oh, at this nice. point, Fishman's drums are now behind the band. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and Trey so, was... I'm looking at a shot right here that's got everybody. Right. You can only see half of Tr- Fishman's face because Trey's singing at the microphone. If Trey took a, if Trey takes a tiny step back, then I can see, oh, here we go. I moved over a little bit. So now I got Trey, Fishman, Warren, Mike, Phil, yeah. and Paige all in one beautiful photograph. Um, but you know, that one of those portraits, so, um, we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording. Um, I have a new museum exhibit that is opening. Uh, it's actually open now. It's already open when this podcast comes out. Yes. And uh, it's, at, it's at, it's at the contemporary Jewish museum in San Francisco. And, uh, it, it, uh, features, it's called retro Blakesburg. The music never stopped. And it's uh, co-curated by my daughter, Ricky. And it features only photographs uh, that I shot on film from 1978 to 2008. 
Mm-hmm. And um, we were uh, hanging the show last week uh, from when we're recording this podcast. And um, we got to the end of the portrait wall and there's, I have this beautiful portrait of fish from this particular show we're talking about nine seventeen ninety nine. That's got this beautiful blue tint in it. And it's in my blue period section of the exhibit. Yeah. And uh, when you come, you can learn about it. There's QR codes you can scan on the exhibit and hear me talking about different stuff and stories and whatnot. And, uh, and then I have a beautiful portrait of Trey. That's a silhouette of him against a wall in my studio from 94. And we were putting up the portrait wall and we got to the very end and we had room for one more row of portraits, three portraits. And we had one of a band called jellyfish. Yeah. And we had one of an artist named E 40 as a hip hop artist. And I said, let's just add fish. So we got jellyfish and fish. And, uh, and so we added a third Love portrait it. of fish to the, to the museum exhibit. So there's three, there's three, um, uh, fish images. And then there's also a magazine tear sheet in the exhibit of Mike Gordon from bass player magazine. When I did a cover story on, on, uh, in, in bass player of him and, uh, Leo cocky, I guess it was years ago. Nice. Um, but anyway, what so yes, it? my museum exhibit is, is open. It's there till January 28th, 2024. The museum is open Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and uh, come on down and check it out. Please support support the museum, support my work. Come and come and see it. It's it's got 215 prints. It's got seven big glass cases of ephemera, and um, I'm pretty proud of this one. My daughter did an incredible job cur- co curating it, and uh, um, this is a pretty big deal for me because now we are all legit with rock and roll in the Contemporary Jewish Museum in San Francisco. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, people people listening to this who may be seeing Goose at the Fox. Uh, in Oakland in September, be a good time to go stop by uh, the exhibit while you're in town. Absolutely. And um, yeah, and well, actually, so the museum is only open starting on Thursdays and those shows, I think, are Monday and Tuesday. Never mind. So, but Uh, no, no, (laughs) come in a day early and go to the museum on Sunday. There we go. Now we're talking. Yeah. Go to the museum on Sunday, a day early, and then go to Goose on Monday and Tuesday. Although I could be wrong, the the, the I think the, I think that sounds right. Uh, you know, the goose the, are, the podcast oh yeah, yeah. Together. Goose is um goose is Monday and Tuesday, the twenty fifth and twenty sixth, and so you can go to the museum on the twenty fourth. I believe it is open, even though it's Yom Kippur. Um, I'll have to double check that. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> so yeah, if you're in San Francisco, it's right downtown on Mission Street and uh, Mission and Third. Um, and, uh, please come check out my, my museum exhibit. Awesome. So I'm curious the significance, uh, you know, why 1978 to 2008, I know 78, that's when you started, uh, shooting the dead, but why, uh, put the deadline at, uh, 2008? Because that is when I stopped shooting film. Oh, got it. And the exhibit is only photographs shot on film. Got it. So my last role of film was a portrait of Warren Haynes. And, um, and for a long time, I actually thought of my last photograph of on film was Jack Johnson. I did a portrait of him for a cover of acoustic guitar magazine. And I thought that was my last one, but there was a, mm-hmm. a roll of film that was misfiled in, in the wrong notebook. It was in the next, and it was in a, a different notebook and I found it and I'm like, Oh, I shot one more thing. I did a government mule shoot down in Southern California. Yeah. Uh, and I did a portrait. I just shot, I think I shot one roll of color. Fi- I shot the whole thing digitally in 2008, but I shot like one roll of color film of the whole band and one roll of color film of just Warren. 
and we put the Warren Haynes portrait in the exhibit as the last, the last role, um, the last time I shot film. So that's the demarcation. So, you know, the sections of the museum, there's an early section, which is the high school and college, 78 to 82. Um, we go into a little bit of depth in some of my stuff that was going on. I don't know if you know this, but back then I got arrested in 1981 with uh, a few thousand hits of LSD and I went to prison for a short period of time. And so actually we delve into that whole thing in the museum exhibit. Um, we have a portrait on the wall of my acid dealer guru guy that was selling me all my acid is, is <laughs> up in the museum exhibit. He's yeah. long, long deceased, long ago deceased, but, uh, and then um, uh, from there, there's a, an icons wall. You know, when I was a teenager growing up in New Jersey, I'm 15, 16, 17 years old. I'm reading Electric Kool-Aid Acid Tests. I'm reading On the Road. I'm reading Relics Magazine. I'm reading about, you know, the psychedelic poster artists and Bill Graham and Chet Helms and the Grateful Dead and the Airplane and Quicksilver and Janice. And, um, and those are the artists that I dream that someday maybe I'd get to see play music or maybe even photograph when I first finally started taking pictures. And so we actually dedicate a little wall to what we are calling icons like Bay area icons, wavy gravy, Ken Kesey, Owsley, the dead, the airplane, Bill Graham, the poster artist, the psychedelic poster artist. And so that's an icons wall. You go through a little doorway and you're in a grateful dead gallery. That's got four big walls of grateful dead stuff. You go around a corner you're in the live concert um, gallery and there's an, another 40 or 50 or so photographs over the years that I shot of bands on stage, um, loop back around. And then you come into the portrait section, which is broken up into three parts. There's sort of the overall portrait section. There's the blue period portrait section. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's the Clementina portrait section. That was my studio on Clementina that I was telling you about where I shot fish. And uh, I moved into that right when my son, Sam was born in 94 he was born in January 94, and that's when I moved into that studio. So when I shot Fish there in May of 94, I'd only been in there for four months. And um, and so there's a Clementina wall of artists, you know, Green Day and Weezer and Sheryl Crow and Trey and, um, I, you know, I can't remember who else is in there, E-40 um, that I shot when they were uh, in my studio on Clementina Street. So that's, that's the exhibit, 215 prints. That's, that's amazing. Uh, yeah. I wish I was. I wish I was coming back up to San Francisco uh, so I could see that. You never uh, know when you'll be in San Francisco. You never. I know. know. I, I'm. You know. I, I know. Well, now, now it's like I wish I was coming to the Fox shows uh, in, in September. Um, but you know, as as I'm learning, I can't do every single show that I want to go to. Uh, yeah, you so. can. I know. <laughs> I'm doing. You know, I'm doing Goose's whole Europe tour in November and. There you go. Uh, all these things. Uh, but, you know, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, getting to chat with you today, Jay, and hear all these stories. Uh, you know, I'm always so, so fascinated hearing about, you know, just how you got involved, uh, you know, with these different bands. And it's so cool going from like, you know, doing this portrait to then, you know, getting this new experience at uh, Oswego and, you know, finally getting the band and everything like that. Uh, and, you know, now in the modern era where, you know, it's just like, uh, a Bay Area staple, you know, they come through and uh, if you're there, you're there, uh, which is super cool. Always love seeing your pictures. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, rockoutbooks.com or blakesburg.com, B-L-A-K-E-S-B-E-R-G.com. Those are my websites, although the Blakesburg site, we have a brand new website that's going to launch any day now. Um, so probably by the time this podcast comes out, the new website should be up, blakesburg.com. Awesome. Well, we'll and, put those uh, links in the description. 
Thank you. Uh, and and then also, um, I have a new book, Retro Blakesburg, which is sort of the catalog for the museum exhibit. So you can check that one out as well. And um, I appreciate your support. And um, thanks for chatting with me about my little fish adventure. Awesome. It's, you know what, Th- thank you again uh, so much. It's, it's, it's truly an honor uh, to have you on the podcast. You know, I've been a big fan for so long and I'm looking forward to doing hopefully another podcast about a different band with you. Uh, sure. Maybe well. we can work that out. And we, Show and me the money, will. man. Show me the money. <laughs> oh, wait, there's no money in podcasts. I forget. I forget. Oh, yeah. You don't need to show me any money, right? I'm happy to, <laughs> happy to do it. And, uh, but thank you. And um, uh, have a great night. And um, uh, thanks for having me on your show. I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, very well. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of Move Through Stormy Weather. Hope you have a phenomenal day. And we'll see you next time. Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, this is Henry Kay, host of the number one music history podcast, Rootsland. Come with me on a journey to Kingston, Jamaica, where we explore the world of reggae music and the untold stories of some of the genre's greatest legends. From the ghettos and tenement yards where the music was born, to the island's iconic recording studios. We are so excited to team up with Osiris Media, the leading storyteller in music. Because as you'll hear, sometimes the story is the best song.